Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am your host, Matt Thomas. Flying again solo this week. Unfortunately, Justin got back into town and he's come down with an illness this week. I told him, no worries, I got you. He does send his regards and we will be going through a lot of different topics today. A lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're going to be covering the in-season tournament and if that has an impact on legacy, we're going to be covering our two early NBA regular season awards and we'll also be covering the Warriors dynasty is the door shutting on that as well as talking about maybe some old head stuff, some ranking of players based on uh, a meme that's been going around. So let's get into it. And I want to start with the in-season tournament. There have been a lot of posts, I'll bring this up, a lot of posts like this on social media. And don't worry, for those of you on audio, I will read it. This ain't it, fellas. Too many counters to this for it to be worth the post. Shout out to at love the orange one for catching this. The post says in-season tournament wins. LeBron James five, Michael Jordan zero. It's levels to this. Now, this may have been a joke post by at cooked by Guwap. Hope I'm saying that right. Um, but there have been many posts like it, talking about how in-season tournament wins may be building players' legacies. Maybe that'll be a thing down the road. We even had media member now, Chandler Parsons, talking about LeBron James being excited and motivated for the in-season tournament because it is something that can be added to his GOAT resume to put him over Michael Jordan, which is a constant talking point among the media. I know we talk about it a little bit on the show and hopefully adding a little bit more nuance to that discussion. But guys, th this is not difficult at the end of the day. I hope you and I can both agree that winning an in-season tournament at the start of the year, while yes, an accomplishment, is not the same thing as winning an NBA championship. And I would argue not even not even close to it. There are teams that have not really given their full effort. There are teams that have tried things out and are just figuring things out when the in-season tournament play begins, especially these newer rosters formed over the offseason. So to be stacking this as something for a GOAT resume, maybe in the future, that will be an option. But for the time being, I do not think this carries much weight as a resume builder. So sorry, LeBron James. I think it's cool if you win this first ever in-season tournament, but I don't think it gets you any closer to Michael Jordan. Next up, The Athletic came out with an NBA teams tier list, kind of a power rankings in different categories that I thought would be kind of fun for us to review, kind of check in with where all the NBA teams are. So we're going to start from the bottom and go to the top, and I'm just going to give you my quick thoughts on how they ranked this. For the very bottom tier, this is incomprehensibly bad. 
And we're looking in this tier at the Wizards, the Spurs, and the Pistons. When you see the Spurs at the very bottom of the Western Conference and the Wizards and the Pistons, respectively, at the very bottom of the Eastern Conference, I think it's hard to argue with where they ranked those teams. I do think they are incomprehensibly bad. We talked about Pop and the unexpected greater struggles with the Spurs and Wemby than expected last week. There's one team that I'll add in the next category to this if I'm moving things around. But yes, these teams belong at the bottom. Moving up, not tanking yet, but maybe someday we have the Jazz, the Trailblazers, the Hornets, the Bulls, and the Grizzlies. Where I would... I guess disagree or move things around. I think the Grizzlies, there is still that outside hope that John ja Morant is going to come in and elevate this team. There's obviously going to be questions about to what degree that will be, but I'm going to go ahead and move them up a level to the next category in my own personal rankings. And I also think we are very, very close, if not yet, already there to moving the Portland Trailblazers down in that bottom category. We had them picked on our show as last in the Western Conference. That may still happen. We'll see how things go in Portland. It does certainly appear like they are trying harder than the teams at the very bottom ranking there. Next category is looking to make the play-in tournament. So we've got the Raptors. We've got the Clippers, we've got the Brooklyn Nets, we've got the Golden State Warriors, and finally the Houston Rockets. I think this is also pretty appropriately ranked. We had a lot of these teams ranked in that play-in tournament range, the Rockets being the main overachiever in this group, along with the Raptors. And I do think if I had to move one of these up or down a category, I would move the Raptors down to not tanking yet, but maybe someday. Now, there's been obvious improvements in Scotty Barnes's game, so that may never become a reality for them, but that's kind of my weighted tendency there. We've got rumors, of course, continuing to circle around OG Ananobi being moved, around Pascal Siakam being moved. And if some of those pieces are moved, you could see where the team may continue to work on Scotty Barnes's development, but may jump down a tier level here. Moving up into the fourth highest category here, we've got play in tournament or better. So these teams are, according to this list, you know, a virtual lock at this point to make the play-in tournament with how things are going so far this season. We've got the Indiana Pacers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Miami Heat in this category. The Heat and the Lakers have been playing very well. Some may consider these too low of rankings for these teams, but I want to see what happens. I didn't buy the Lakers early on this season, even though they're sitting fourth in the West at the moment and poised to potentially continue this in-season tournament run. I don't see them as much of a threat in terms of title competition 
uh, coming in from the Western Conference. So I think both the Heat and the Lakers, in spite of you know maybe the prestige of their brand, I think they are appropriately ranked here. The team I would move if I needed to move a team here, I I've been high from the start of the season on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know they got they they kind of stumbled out of the starting blocks and had some injuries they had to deal with early on. They're climbing back up to 500. So I, of all these teams here, I would be willing to almost lock them in as a playoff team based on my expectations. We'll see if they can continue that trend back towards a winning record. In the next category, we have our playoff teams. So teams that are a lock to make the playoffs, the Orlando Magic, the Sacramento Kings, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Dallas Mavericks, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the New York Knicks are in this category. So just a reminder, your playoff teams are going to be rank six or above, or you're counting them as teams that are for sure going to win in the play-in tournament round. So with these teams here, I think it's correct, even though the Magic are sitting towards the top of the Eastern Conference right now, I do think it's reasonable to expect that that'll fall off. I think it's reasonable to expect the Kings to climb a little bit higher than they've started the season out as. The 76ers, you could argue, maybe they are deserving of a category up. Um, and actually, I'm going to go ahead and say my opinion is the Sixers do belong a category higher here, which we'll talk about. Uh, and part of that, I think, is based on all the assets that they, they got from the James Harden trade and what that could potentially turn into if they have a really good trade deadline move, which you would imagine they're going to try and get that title right now for Embiid rather than wait another season to play this out. But we'll see what happens. Mavericks are good. I think they're a pleasant surprise this season. I think it is okay to keep them where they are right now. The Pelicans, I would actually, if I had to move another team here, I would move the Pelicans down into the play-in or better. I want to see Zion play out a full year. I want to see how this team does. I think if they're healthy, this is a reasonable category to put them in, but I still have some doubts yet. I don't feel totally secure with the Pelicans at this point. And I think the Knicks are appropriate here too. They try hard and that will have them continuing to beat teams that maybe are better than them on paper at times during the regular season where you know teams are all pacing themselves. Next category up, it's a small category. Brink of contention. The Athletic has the OKC Thunder ranked here along with the Phoenix Suns. I think at the moment, given how things have been, now KD has been great. There have been injuries swapped out between Booker, between Bradley Beal. It hasn't mattered all that much yet. But I'm skeptical of the Suns still. Justin and I both were to start the season. So I would move them down a category here. I still don't know that we'll see enough of them to really determine, like, are they legitimately good enough on the defensive end to be in that elite category of contenders? I don't know. So I would move them down and I would bring the 76ers up in their 
in their place. So I would trade those teams out. Last category, the contenders. The teams that have the most legitimate shot at this point at a title. We've got top teams in the Eastern and Western Conference here. The Boston Celtics, the Denver Nuggets, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Feels weird to say those two franchises in the contenders category, but um, it's perhaps fair to do that based on their performance. And then the last one, the Milwaukee Bucks. I am totally fine with Celtics and Bucks being in this category. They're deep. They're talented. They have elite stars. They can play defense. They can play offense. Denver Nuggets, they belong here. They've gotten through a tough time without Jamal Murray, and they still looked great through that as basically as long as Jokic is playing. That team is elite at this moment in time. I am hesitant, and I know they've been playing well. They're at the top of the Western Conference. I need to see a longer track record to personally put the Timberwolves in this top-tier category. Maybe if they're still hanging out, you know, top three in the West, when we're another month in the season, I'll, I'll feel better about calling them contenders. For the time being, I'm going to move Minnesota down in my own mental notes here at being on the brink of contention, which I think is still a huge compliment to this team overall. So there's the NBA team's tier list as brought to us by The Athletic. Let us know in the comments or get at us on social media with your thoughts. Do you like the teams that I juggled around? Do you think The Athletic is on the money here or what did they miss? All right, a lot of topics. So we'll continue pressing forward. One of the things you may have noticed on that tier list rankings is there's what many consider to be an elite level team, a dynasty team, perhaps. There's a dynasty team that is looking just to make the in-season tournament on those athletic tier rankings. The team I'm talking about, of course, is the Golden State Warriors. Things have been rough this year, and that's not even, you know, all things considered with the Draymond suspension for five games, really, honestly, I don't think played a huge factor in this team's performance so far this year. They're sitting at... 9 and 11 at the moment, and uh, at 11th place in the Western Conference. You may remember, if you caught the episode earlier, Steph Curry was my dark horse pick for MVP. I thought maybe if the Warriors surprise people and get home court advantage, then maybe uh, Steph Curry has a shot because he's so likable and because it kind of could be a last hurrah. Maybe he'd be MVP, but I think... Time is running out on that prediction, <laughs> and I think uh, it's, well, we'll talk about early season awards later, but it's not looking like Steph's a candidate. And Bulls Central here, at Bulls Central YT, shout out to them. They posted just simply after the Clippers completed a 22-point comeback on the Warriors on December 2nd. The Bulls Central account retweeted it and said the Warriors are done. And at this point in the season, I tend to agree. Now, the things that need to happen for the Warriors to get back into contention, 
Well, basically, the pieces that they have need to elevate back to where they were in 2022, and I'm not sure that that can happen for them. So very, very simply, Andrew Wiggins has to become a dominant rebounding and perimeter defense force for them and I think has to contribute, be a little bit more consistent with shooting as well. He's He's got to carry more of the load, have like an all-star season like he did their championship, their most recent championship year in 2022. I think also Clay Thompson just has to do more, has to be able to play on the level of a starter for this team. And I don't know if that's that's possible at this point for Clay. I want it to be possible for him. I thought before their championship run in 2022, I thought it was very, very possible that the Warriors were done. I do think that is a very realistic possibility right now. I think chemistry is better on this team, of course, than last year with getting rid of Jordan Poole and making the decision there to keep Draymond. So that is something in the win column. But at the moment, I can't consider them anywhere near a title threat. And look, they had moments in 2022 where it looked kind of bad, kind of in doubt as well. The history in NBA with aging guards is that there is a, a steep, steep decline once you get to a certain point. We're at obviously an era with better sports science, better recovery, better nutrition, all these things. But specifically for guards, if you lose a little bit of speed, if you lose a little bit of the things that made you special, which I think with how Steph's playing, he has not lost much, if anything, compared to how he played last season. But it is concerning if Clay has to the level it looks like he has. And Curry, even though... I love the guy, and he was my MVP pick. He is not a player that has ever done things on his own. This has always been a very solid franchise that has been very well built around him. He's deserving of the MVP awards that he won, or at at least certainly an MVP award, even if you think someone else should have won one of the years he did. So again, not trying to put Steph Curry on blast or anything, but if he doesn't have a solid supporting cast around him, I don't think he's going to carry this team the level to which we've seen like a a LeBron approach or maybe better example would be like Kobe Bryant in the late 2000s. Um, So if you ask me right now, I have to say yes or no, are the Warriors done? I'm going to say yes. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Right, moving right along, we're going to look at regular season awards and who would win the awards, in my opinion, if the regular season ended today. So these are our way too early regular season awards. We'll look at these and compare them to some of our preseason picks for this. Um, So first, let's start with an award that I, I think is 
fairly obvious. Um, it's it's mostly statistical, and it's a new award. It's the Clutch Award, and right now you have to. I I don't think there's an argument. I think it goes to Damian Lillard. He's had the most game winners so far this season, and the most clutch time points. With I believe last check was 65 clutch time points so far this season. So he's by far the leader in that category. And I wouldn't be shocked if he holds on to that for the remainder of the season, even though there's still quite a few games to play. So Clutch Award, Dame Lillard. Moving next, we'll talk about Coach of the Year. And with Coach of the Year, this typically goes to, of course, the coach that has done the most, gotten maybe the best record relative to the amount of talent that's perceived on that roster. And I think at this point, it's inarguable, even in spite of maybe the Eastern Conference being less competitive. I think this award belongs to the Orlando Magic's Jamal Mosley. So congrats to Coach Mosley. Keep up the good work and maybe you'll win this for real. The, in second place right now, the other shocking team that we talked about last week is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Chris Finch over there. Um, good job by you. And then I think in third, it's worth a mention that the Rockets have been another surprise team in the Western Conference. Right now, they're not back up to a winning record at this point. So I don't think Coach Udoka would have done enough at this point to be the top contender, obviously. But I do think he will be in the running for this. If if they can surprise and move up higher in the ranks in getting, you know, maybe up to like the seven seed, if they really have good solid development and progress, that seems like a reach. I certainly was not predicting the Rockets to even make the play in tournament, but I just don't think the win losses are going to be high enough to present as the difference that Orlando and Minnesota has made so far. Looking at most improved player next. For me, it's it's two players right now. Tyrese Maxey has taken on an increased load, and he's he's been great. He's had a 50-point scoring game. He's put up numbers, and the 76ers are playing great. So I think Maxey deserves mention. But I'm going to, just because of the higher burden placed upon him and the success that the team has surprisingly had, and also maybe bias since he was my preseason pick. I'm going to give this right now most improved player award to Alperin Shangun of the Houston Rockets. Many are considering him right now the third best center in the league. I don't know if I'd go that far as well as Justin and I discussed, but he's climbing the ranks. And so I think he's worthy of recognition here at this point in time in the season. Next Let's talk about the Sixth Man of the Year Award, the best player off of the bench. And I want to award the Orlando Magic here, though I don't think this is cut and dry. I think you could argue for either of these players. Um, Cole Anthony for the Orlando Magic, I'm going to give the early edge to at this point, in part because of the extra success of the team. But he's putting up 16, 5, and 4 off of the bench. He's been a great presence. He's He's been important to the team's wins, losses, too. He's playing at critical times in the games as well. So Cole Anthony, I would have just edging out 
Tim Hardaway Jr., who has been a great contributor off of the Dallas Mavericks bench. Looking at rookie of the year, let's go into next. Really, your your two options here at the moment, your two realistic options, Chet Holmgren, who some of this depends. I mean, do you consider Chet Holmgren a rookie or not? He did have last year to learn how to navigate the NBA, but technically because he was out with injury, yes, he is eligible for this award. And with what he's contributed to a winning team and how efficient he's been, I do think that is admirable and respectable too, even though he's not carrying as heavy of a load as our other candidate. I give the nod to Chet Holmgren right now of the Thunder. And behind him, I have Victor Wembanyama. So um, I don't see Wembanyama overtaking him unless the Spurs start winning just a little bit more. He may even have better stats at a certain point. But if, if, if it's looking ugly and if the Spurs aren't even getting to the 20-win mark, let's say, on this season, I think it is going to be uh, feeling like a disappointment to the voters. And I think they'll go for Chet, especially as we see Chet more and more in primetime, perhaps. Defensive player of the year. There's a lot of ways you can go with this. One of the best defensive teams right now is the Minnesota Timberwolves. And because they are at the top of a very difficult Western Conference, I tend to like to reward successful teams when I can. He's been a defensive player of the year before, so it's maybe a boring pick in some ways, but doesn't mean he's not deserving of it. Rudy Gobert gets the early slight edge over... Mitchell Robinson, who's been good for the Knicks and is an elite-level rebounder, which is important on that defensive end, too. And then another two that I kind of want to just bring to mind, Giannis is always incredible on defense and is, yes, maybe his offensive burden is a little bit lighter with Damian Lillard, but his defensive burden may be a little bit heavier with how this team is constructed now. I think he could build a convincing case that he's deserving of this award by the end of the season. And then also just with the culture change in Houston, I don't think he has the numbers really and the advanced stats to back it up, but Dylan Brooks, uh, I mean, not really in contention or on anyone's mind for most improved player of the year. He may deserve a little bit more credit in the defensive player ranks. And, and I'm hoping if things continue like they are now, he'll get maybe a nod in spite of people, some people that adamantly just dislike Dylan Brooks. And I understand that, but if he's putting it out there on the court, like he has been this first, just over a month of the regular season, then I think he should at least be on an all defensive team. And maybe not even the first one would have to dig into the advanced stats a little bit more. All right, so that leaves us with one more reward to discuss, one more award that is the MVP of the regular season. As I mentioned earlier, I picked Steph Curry as a dark horse. Seems like the door is quickly shutting on any chance of that happening. And Justin, I think correctly to this point, picked Jokic, maybe getting some sympathy, maybe people feeling 
a little bit wrong for how the MVP race turned out last season and just the narratives at the end of the year that kind of stripped Jokic of his chances of winning in spite of, I think, having a better, even regular season than uh, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, I think, has has fallen down the ranks a little bit. He's missed a few games, but he's certainly in the hunt as well. I give the nod to Jokic. Another one that who's my second place at the moment because they are performing well and are pretty reliant on him would be Giannis Antetokounmpo. And again, he, as you know, won the two consecutive MVP awards before Jokic won his two, two consecutive MVP awards. But look, these guys are doing work here, and they are they are putting up. I mean, with Jokic, he's like plus eleven, over eleven net rating when he's on the court, and his team does terrible when he's off the court. It, it's hard to argue against that, and he navigated having Jamal Murray out for the first month of the season. Jamal Murray just came back in time to smack my rockets upside the head. Uh, So Jokic has done more with less uh, than anybody this season so far. So he's the front runner for MVP, I think deservedly. So let us know if you have any disagreements with your regular season ranking. All right. Last thing we're going to get into. I saw this post from at the hoop central and the the graphic is via at ZG visual Z1 on X. I saw this and I couldn't resist. I, I had to rank these players. I, I think it's a fun thought exercise. So the players, for those of you listening on audio, we're going to rank these players at their peak. So at, at their best performance moment in their career from one to six, the players are Steph Curry. Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So ranking these players from one to six at their peak. I think I I think it's more interesting, and I, I would like to start ranking from the top down. Top has to be Michael Jeffrey Jordan, uh, the GOAT, uh, undeniably, I think. And you can take several different points of his career as <laughs> as a peak. I mean, he had he had a couple peaks, I think, but uh, I, I guess give me ninety three MJ taking out that great Phoenix Suns team with Barkley and Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, all those guys. Um, Jordan has to be number one here. I I don't see an argument uh, for any of these guys having a higher peak. You could also, if you're just, if you're more like stats person and maybe the winning matters less to you, which I think winning defines greatness when we're talking competitive sports. But point being, you can even look at 88 Jordan where he wins MVP and defensive player of the year the same season. So MJ has to be number one for me. Number two, this um, in many ways is also lining up with rankings in, in line of all-time greats that Justin and I talked about a while ago. Number two, Kobe Bean Bryant. He had 
I believe it was statistically the third most difficult postseason run in NBA history. Got it done. This was away from Shaquille O'Neal, so don't give me that. Shaq carried Kobe, which I think is an overblown narrative. If you actually look into the numbers and what Kobe was was responsible for on that first um, that first three peat that the Lakers did with Shaq and Kobe together, but give me Kobe Bryant in the late two thousands. You can pick again, maybe oh nine where he wins the title or two thousand ten. I would go with two thousand ten just because that's a very difficult postseason run. And I know people will talk about Game 7 and try to dunk on Kobe Bryant that way. But if you look at the rest of the series, along with what he did through that entire postseason run, with his second best player being Pau Gasol, who didn't even average 20 points per game that season, Kobe Bryant did a a lot more than a lot of these guys on this list with a lot less. Ranking number three... This is where I think a lot of our lists will really start to differ. Again, looking at their peak, not looking at all-time ranking here. I'm going to go give me 2021 Giannis Antetokounmpo. When you have a postseason run where we're seeing things that haven't been done since Bill Russell, since Wilt Chamberlain, since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, You're up there with the all-times in terms of at least that season's performance. And when you look at these players, this is a key point for the rankings on my list. When you look at both sides of the ball and don't get caught up in high points per game in a high-paced era of basketball, when you don't get caught up with those things, I think it may change your perspective on these rankings as it has for me. So give me Giannis at number three, who is, man, I don't know. MJ and Kobe both making nine all-defensive teams puts them high in the defensive rankings too. But Giannis winning that defensive player of the year, and you could certainly see him having more than nine selections, potentially like a Tim Duncan by the end of his career. Give me Giannis third. All right. Let's move into maybe even more controversy because some of you might not remember 2006 Dwayne Wade who took over down two games to none against the 2006 Dallas Mavericks that was a legitimately good team. And he carried into a sweep for the rest of the way, won the next four games for the Miami Heat. He had... Shaquille O'Neal on his team, who was less effective than on his Laker days, but still still pretty good Shaq, but certainly not the, the number one A player on that Miami Heat team. And the other thing, too, is Wade, un, unlike Curry, I would say, Wade is not a defensive liability. He's actually one of the best defensive shooting guards to ever do it behind Maybe only the two others on the list here, Jordan and Kobe. Uh, So give me Wade at number four. He single-handedly just about carried the Miami Heat to that 2006 title. A, A switch just flipped, and he did that. Now... You guys aren't gonna like where I have the next two ranked. I know it, some of you won't, but hear me out. Sometimes circumstance plays a huge role 
in greatness. And sometimes when you choose that circumstance, you do it to yourselves. KD makes it on this list at number five. I do think he is a better scorer than Giannis and Wade. I don't think he's a better scorer than Kobe and MJ. If you look at the numbers and the differences in the eras that they played, and especially the pace of the game, but KD is awesome. KD won those finals MVPs on the two titles he won for the Warriors. But KD also, he played some good defense. I don't think he played as great a defense as the guys above him on this list. There was times during the regular season where KD carried a little bit more of a load down in the post. But I still wouldn't say necessarily as big of a role as the guys who did it on this list. There may be some room for argument, for sure, between Wade and KD. But given what that person did in the highest level of competition in the finals, I am still keeping Wade at number four above KD, who makes it at number five. And lastly, we have Steph Curry. I know Steph Curry was the first ever unanimous MVP. I know statistically he's had some of the greatest offensive seasons in NBA history. And Jokic is is kind of now surpassing some of those things from an efficiency standpoint and otherwise. But Curry's awesome as well. I love Curry. Reason he goes behind the other five gentlemen on this list is simply because he is a player that has always needed to rely on his other teammates to be a little bit more successful than the other guys on this list. He has a little bit less takeover power on his own, even at his peak. And he is also more of a defensive liability than a threat or at bare minimum, just kind of a defensive wash. He has great conditioning. He can keep up with his guy, no doubt. But it's undeniable that based on oftentimes some things he can't control, namely size, defenses, target him at times. And so when you consider both sides of the ball, and I consider defense to be very important as well, I have to put Curry six on this list, even at his peak. Let me know how you would rank this list. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? Appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of In the Lab. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. We really appreciate your support. You can follow us on social media at Hoopsology Pod. You can shoot us an email, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Shout out to my co-host, Justin. He should be back next week. And who knows, maybe I'll ask him for his reaction to my list here at some point, or we'll do that over at x.com or something. But until next week, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of in-season tournament play. And I will look forward to catching up with you next week. Take care and peace out.